All right. We're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians 5 and uh, uh, chapter or chapter 5, verses 12 through a few verses here. And let me give you a little background on this. You know, First, Thess- First Thessalonians is, a, is an interesting book. It's kind of this um, finishing, unfinished business for Paul. Because Paul came to this community, and, and like many places, he started a church. Uh, a group of believers, a, a group of people began believing. And, and in Acts, we're told all about this. Well, he's only there three weeks and what happens is there, there are people in the community, they don't like this message of Jesus. They don't like this church's getting started. They don't want these things to happen. And, and their whole attitude or, or, or strategy is, you know, when something is happening, you don't want it to, you cut it off at the head. You do away with, with the leader. So they... I want to do one of two things. They're either going to throw um, Paul in prison. They're going to hurt him physically. They're going to kill him. That's not off the table. And this is serious. And some of the people in the church, they understand this. And they're not, they take these threats very seriously. And they tell Paul, Paul, um, if you stay, you're probably not going to live to see tomorrow. You need to go. You need to, the work of the kingdom needs to happen. So you, you need to leave. So Paul does. He leaves this community. Now, he's only been the pastor of this church for three weeks. Scott, how, how long have you been here? Four? Is this week four? So, so Scott's been here longer than, than Paul pastored the church in Thessal- Thessalonica. Think about that. And, um, um, but he, he goes, and, and there were a lot of things that he wanted to do for this church and for this new group of believers. I mean, there were things about Jesus he needed to teach them. There were things about leadership and, and, and getting organized. There was just so much he wanted to do, and he never had time to get around to it and to do it. So you know what he does? He writes this letter. He writes this book. And 1 Thessalonians is a, is a beautiful, beautiful letter. And, and it's very practical and it's very simple. He's, he's writing to, to help this group of people understand the things that he never got to teach them in, in person. And when we get to verse five or chapter 5 and, and these verses, uh, starting with verse 12, there's, it, it reads, there's all of these commands, you know, and, and if you go from 12 really down to the end of the chapter, there's something like 20-some commands. They're, they're just rapid fire, and we're not going to look at all of them. Um, and at first, it might seem that they're just random, you know, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, uh, but there's a, there's a structure, the first couple verses are, are really between like the pastor, the leader of the congregation, and the congregation. He's telling them in, in these couple of verses, this is how you need to get along. Do these things. The next part of, of these verses, they're about all of you. And, and in fact, like how you should treat each other, how you should live with each other. You know, your attitudes and actions among each other. And then the last verses are, are just kind of a collection of, of like, this is the the... This is the life of a spirit-filled believer. And this is, this is how we should kind of live in, in relation to God. Well, we're not going to look at all of those, obviously. But, but this is a beautiful passage for an installation service of, of like pastor and congregation. This is how your relationship should be. And you know what's incredible? There's not a lot. There's just a few things. But what I've discovered is if you will live these couple of verses out, if you will really take them to heart and live them foundationally, I, I mean, you're going to have a great relationship. 
This is going to be a wonderful, wonderful relationship of, of pastor and people. So let me read these to you, and, and then we're going to break them down a little bit and, and talk about them. 1 Thessalonians 5.12. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. That's it. We're done. Those are the verses. Isn't it amazing? There, there's not a lot here. But the Pastor Scott, there's some things directly to the pastor, and I want to talk to you about it. And, and, and these are the instructions that, that Paul gives to the pastor. He starts out, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who, and this would be the commands to you or the instructions to you, who work hard among you. Um, Paul is telling pastors that they should work hard. Now, um, you know, I, I've heard this as a pastor, and, and Scott, I know you've heard this. You know, whenever, whenever um, I, I, I meet someone and, and, well, what do you do for a living? And you say, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, you're a pastor. You've got the greatest job in the world because you only have to work. Oh, you've heard that too, huh? <laughs> You've heard that a couple of times, right? Oh, you only have to work one day. You know what I always told people when they said that to me? Well, you know, I pastor a Nazarene church, and, and we have stuff on Wednesdays. So I actually work twice as hard as you think I do. <laughs> well, we know that, I mean, you know, we kind of joke about that. But, but still, um, working and hard work for a pastor is interesting because there's hard work. The first job I ever had, I, I worked in a lumber yard and I worked back in the yard part. And I would, you know, as a as a high school kid, I'd, I'd throw bags of cement into, you know, pickup trucks and load plywood and two befores and you'd do all this stuff. And I can tell you after a full Saturday, I would come home. I didn't want to go anywhere on Saturday night. I was exhausted. My body hurt everything. That's That's hard work. Um, and pastors do hard work like that. But there's another kind of hard work I want to talk to you about, Pastor Scott. And, and it doesn't necessarily exhaust your body, but it exhausts your soul and your spirit. Because you see, with this congregation here, one of the things that you're going to do is you're going to carry burdens. And when people are going through crisis, whether it's health or, or family crisis or spiritual crisis, you're their pastor. And one of the things you do is you help them carry those burdens. You wake up in the morning and you, and you think about situations and you pray for those. It's what you think about when you go to sleep. It's, it's sometimes what wakes you up in the middle of the night or what keeps you from going to sleep are situations. And your soul grieves over those things just like theirs. And I want you to carry those and there's times as a pastor, you'll, you'll even think, I, I can't deal with one more situation. I can't carry that because it is. It's like a weight. It's like one more stone or boulder that's on your shoulders. But the wonderful news about, about that kind of a thing is, you know, in the Beatitudes where, where we're told, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And God will comfort you. He'll never ask you to help shoulder the burdens of this congregation without the Holy Spirit empowering you and helping you every step of the way. 
And so if there's times it feels like because of the burdens of this, this body of believers, like I can't do this, I can't, it's too much and it fatigues my soul. God's going to go, you're right, Pastor Scott, you're right, you can't do this. But we can. And my Holy Spirit will empower you and help you. Sometimes pastors, I know they kind of step away and they're like, oh, I can't get too close or I, I, I don't know if I can handle this. And, and pastor, I would encourage you to throw yourself completely into all of these things because God will help you. He will empower you. His spirit will comfort you and strengthen you every step of the way. Paul tells us, pastors work hard. You work hard among this people. And yes, physically it's hard, but also with your soul and your spirit, it's hard, but it's going to be okay because you don't do it alone. You have, you have God with it and you have us with you. Work hard. The second thing it says is you are over them in the Lord. So you, your role here is you are over this congregation in the, in the Lord. You are, you are the pastor and you are over them. Now, I, I think it's interesting because, you know, it, it never uses the word boss, you know, because I guess, I guess I think what we would say is Jesus is our boss, right? But Pastor Scott is our pastor. He is over us. He is our leader, okay? And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later, but, but the pastor is not everybody's employee here. He's your pastor. God places our pastor over us. He is our spiritual leader. He is the one that guides us. He is the one that is in front of us as a shepherd. But then the second thing is it says he is over us. The pastor is over us in the Lord. So kind of, I, I think the way I would take that is it says, Pastor Scott, lead this congregation in the way Jesus would lead this congregation. Be over this congregation and have authority in the same way that Jesus would do that. And, and being a pastor, there's a very unique thing about this because, you know, we're a leader, but we're also the servant. And, and I, I don't know what other role or profession, it's kind of like that, where the, the, the leader or the authority is also the chief servant of that organization, but that's who you are. And Jesus modeled this best, and it's, it, it might be on some of your mind. Jesus modeled this best when he got together with his disciples, and, um, you know, there was this time they, they get together, and, and they're about to eat, and, and the tradition, the custom was, you know, before they ate, they had to have their feet washed, and this is how this works. You probably heard sermons about this. Um, the tradition was whoever was the lowest had to wash the feet. That's kind of the way it worked. And so here's the pecking order. Here's at the bottom. If there's kids, you know, if there's children, they wash the feet. Well, we just let the kids go, you know. They're downstairs with Amanda. So no kids here. So if there's no kids to wash the feet, who, who's the next lowest? Anybody know? The women. If there were any women, then they had to wash the feet. Some of you ladies think, I ain't washing nobody's feet. That ain't happening in my house. 
Well, that was their custom in that day. So if there were any females, then they would wash the feet of, of the men. Well, there weren't any females there. So no children with Jesus and the apostles, no women. So who, who's at the bottom of the order? Um, I think they're having a discussion about that. I, I, I wonder, it's like, you know, we all know some of the disciples, you know, Peter and James and John, they're not at the bottom. We know that. It's, it's, some, of these, it's some of these disciples we never hear about. You know, do you ever wonder, like Bartholomew is like, uh-oh, <laughs> Thaddeus, uh, what have I done? Yeah, Peter, he's safe. So they're, they're maybe going to get into this argument about who has to do it. But here's one thing. Here's the given in this whole situation. While we maybe can't agree who's at the bottom, everyone agrees who's at the top, right? And that's Jesus. He's at the top. But Jesus in that situation, he took the towel and he took the basin and he took the water and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And you see, Jesus taught all of this. He, he tried to tell us over and over, if you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to be the least. If you want to have the most, you, you give the most. I mean, he tried to teach these things. Not only did he teach them, he modeled them, and he lived them out. And Pastor Scott, this is what Paul is telling us this about a pastor. You are over this congregation, but over them in the Lord. I mean, yes, you're the leader, but you're also the servant that washes everyone's feet. There is nothing in this church that is beneath you. Be over this congregation in the Lord. And then there's one more thing. And it says you admonish the people. Isn't that an interesting word? Your, your pastor is called to admonish you. You're called to admonish. And, and in all the time that, you know, as a preacher and, and as I've shared the word of God with people, you know, people are like, oh, pastor, hey, we're looking, you know, you're going to feed us today. Feed us from the word of God. Teach us and encourage us. I've never had one person come in, oh, pastor, I'm looking forward to you admonishing me today. Let me have it. Right between the eyes. Just give it to me. Admonish, admonish, admonish. Nobody says that. But of all the things Paul could say, that's the word he used. What, is, what does admonish mean? I mean, it's several things. It's your responsibility, Pastor Scott, to tell these people the truth. And the truth is this. It's the word of God. It's, it's admonish is, is to... You know, it talks about the, the path of righteousness and, and don't go to the right and don't go to the left, but walk in the path of holiness and righteousness. And as the pastor, it's your job. It's your responsibility to, to help these people know the path of righteousness and holiness and to walk in that. And, and to not just tell them the things they want to hear or the things that are what people are telling us on social media, everybody, it's the truth. But here's the thing about admonishing. I really believe this. Because when you have to say the difficult things and when you teach and preach and it steps on people's toes and it's whatever, 
the one thing, and it, and it kind of ties back into what we said, when you love these people, when you love these people, they receive it and walk in it and hear that truth. Not just hear the truth, but they live into that truth. Love is, is like oil in the, in the, in the engine. Love is, is like it's in the gears. And sometimes when you have to say the most difficult things, you, you know why these people will receive it? Because you have loved them. It, it's the old, I hope I'm getting the movie right. Is it Mary Poppins, A Spoonful of Sugar? Okay. You know, the spoonful of sugar isn't just something you say. The spoonful of sugar is the life you lead with this congregation outside of this building and outside of church services. That when they know you as pastor and, and, and they know your love for them, they hear these words, the admonishment that they need to hear. So think about this. The, Paul only tells the, the pastor to do three things. Work hard, be over you in the Lord, and admonish you. That's kind of the job description. And I know Pastor Scott, and all of these he will live into. Now, here's, here's what some of you are like, yeah, give it to the pastor. <laughs> Let him have it. Well, here's, here's what he tells us as a congregation. The very first thing, it says, now we ask you, brothers, and we're going to include sisters, to respect. You are called to respect your pastor. Respect your pastor. And, and that can be in short order today. Not all authority is respected. I mean, we, we, we call names and we criticize, and, and, but that's, that's not the church of God. We are called to respect our pastor. Our pastor is, is the one called by God to be here. Now, let me just mention a couple of ways that you can, can respect your pastor, okay? These are just a couple of tangible ways. The first is this. Don't talk about your pastor. Talk to your pastor. Um, if, you, if you don't understand something that's happening at the church or you, you don't agree with something, um, don't. Don't get on the phone. Don't, by all means, don't get on social media. Um, get in your car and come over and have a conversation with Pastor Scott. One thing I really appreciate is I've gotten to know Pastor Scott. I mean, he, he's a person who just has conversations. He's not a scary individual. He's just a very open, you know, you can talk to him and, and, and feel very comfortable and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, he's not going to yell at you, I promise you, right? He's not going to yell at you. He's not going to throw anything at you. If, if you have something you need to talk about, he will listen and have a conversation. Now, that doesn't mean he can do, every, you know, because it's impossible for every decision the pastor makes to please everybody. So it doesn't mean he can, you know, please everyone, but he will treat you with respect. So please talk to him. Treat him with respect. Talk to your pastor. Don't talk about your pastor. Here's the second way you can show respect to your pastor. Pray for your pastor. I mean, pray. Don't just say, oh, pastor, I'm praying for you, and, and then don't do it. You know, actually pray for your pastor. 
I, I, um, I've probably told you this story, but I'm going to tell it to you today, and I'll probably tell it to you 10 more times. But one of the, the most meaningful things in my life was a man in my church named Jim Brown. He meant so much to Janet and I. He was, he was our board secretary, and he had, he had moved up from, like, the, the hollers of West Virginia up to northwest Ohio, and, and he, uh, he, he came from a coal mining family, and, and Jim wasn't very educated, but he was probably the smartest person I've ever known. He was the backbone of our church, and he loved Janet and I and our family. Every Sunday when I would come to church as a, as a young pastor, um, Jim, you couldn't get there before Jim. I mean, he, he had the lights turned on, had the heat turned up, and had a pot of coffee going. And I tried, I tried to get there before Jim. Never could. Never beat him to church, ever. And when I would come through, we just had this little building. And, and when I would come in the front doors, and, and there was a little foyer, and then you'd go into the sanctuary. And when I would come in the front doors, I had learned to, to come in real quiet. And I would open those glass doors, and I'd step into the foyer, because I could hear Jim praying in the sanctuary. And he would, he'd be kneeling at the altar, and he'd, be kneel, and he'd hit the altar, you know? He'd pray, and he'd hit it, and he'd just, you know, oh! I pray for my pastor. I pray for Pastor Dave. Help him to preach great today. Man, would your Holy Spirit be on him? Would somebody get saved? I want to see someone get saved today. Would somebody get sanctified? Oh, God, would you be close to Janet? He'd pray for our kids. He'd hit that, and I'd just stand in the foyer and listen. And it would just, like, like it would just wash over me, his prayers. And then I'd make a little noise, and Jim would get up. He'd come over, and he's a big guy, and, and I'm, I'm not. <laughs> and he'd hug me. Oh, Pastor Man, it's great to see you today. Whoa, we're going to have a good service. You know what? Man, it's going to be good. And you're going to preach great. Did you know that? You're going to preach a great sermon today, Pastor Dave. And I'd say, well, I don't know, Jim. Oh, don't say that. I know you are. You know how I know you're going to preach good? Because I prayed for you. Nobody gets prayed for as much as I pray for you and preaches bad. It just don't happen. <laughs> Every week we would do that. And it meant so much to me. I mean, Jim didn't just say, Pastor, I'm going to pray for you. He prayed for me. I want you to pray for your pastor. Will you do that? Respect your pastor. It goes on with those others. And then it says, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Hold them in the highest regard. That's a lot like respect, isn't it? But hold your pastor in the highest regard. Remember a couple of things. Um, we, we didn't hire Pastor Scott to be our pastor. We believe that God called Pastor Scott to be here. That's why he's here. Because we believe, and he said it in his prayers, God opened doors. God kicked open doors for Pastor Scott to be here. He, he's not our employee. He's our pastor. Hold him in the highest regard in love because he's our 
pastor. One last thing. And then it says, live in peace with each other. Now, here's kind of the wrap-up with this. If we have a pastor who works hard, who is over us in the Lord, who admonishes us, and if we as a congregation respect our pastor and hold him in the highest regard and love, do you think we'll live in peace with each other? How, How can we not? How can this not be the kind of congregation, the kind of places... That, that reaches this community for, for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you, and we all know this, there's spiritual warfare. And the devil will do everything he can to throw these things off balance, to, to, to mess up communication among us, to, to, to change expectations or whatever. And we have to fight against that in the name of Jesus. This is what God has called us to be and called us to do. I am so glad Pastor Scott and his family are here. I, I am so, and I am so thankful for this congregation. And Pastor Scott, you guys have a great church here. This is a wonderful place. And our community needs the Church of the Nazarene to do a powerful work. We're not just a pizza place. You know, they can come and go. Who really cares? We're the Church of the Nazarene that preaches a message of holiness and truth and righteousness to this community, and they need us. Amen.